The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Ring the bell. Yes, indeed. We are back here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. No, we do not have boxing in the ring, but we do have lots and lots of news and different things to discuss, including fight anniversaries and the possibility of boxing maybe resuming as soon as the end of the month of May and maybe in Florida and maybe involving a famous fight figure, promoter fight figure, huckster, uh, carnival barker, whatever metaphor you want to use, only in America. Uh, Don King may be involved, and we'll be talking about that a little bit later on here on the podcast about boxing resuming. Will it be top-ranked boxing in the United States that resumes first? Premier Boxing Champions, what's going to happen over in Europe and the U.K.? I I know where Matchroom Boxing and MTK Global and a lot of the other uh, outlets um, uh, worldwide, it, it, who's going to be able to get fights on first, more than likely without fans, and more than likely starting in June from the biggest promotions and some of the biggest names as the summer unfolds. So we'll be talking some about that. First up, I want to reminisce and go back on the fifth year anniversary of Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao's Mega Money Showdown, a fight that was long on hype, huge financial success, but really short on thrilling action, not a memorable great fight. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that Mayweather simply would not agree to fight Pacquiao. When you go back in the history books of the early 2010s to the mid-2010s, he didn't want to fight him. And he waited him out, and he waited him out, and he waited him out, and they finally fought until uh, it was on Mayweather's terms uh, for the mega money. But we didn't get a great fight for a lot of different reasons. I want to reminisce with a guest straight ahead that was there, that was on location covering things for the worldwide entity that is CNN, the cable news network, for CNN Sports. So uh, looking forward to talking with Andy Scholes, uh, who was there uh, at the MGM Grand in Vegas, May uh, of 2015, uh, on the historic Cinco de Mayo weekend that they always love to have these big fights. Of course, didn't, we're not able to have that with Las Vegas shut down due to the coronavirus uh, for this year, but he was there five years ago. Look forward to hearing from him. Speaking of classic fights, a special interview to bring your way with former uh, world bantamweight champion Paulie Ayala. Uh, I got a recent opportunity to talk with him off the uh, re-showing of his classic battles with Johnny Tapia in the bantamweight division at the turn of the century. It's still weird to say that. His 1995 showdown with Tapia where he won the world bantamweight title uh, it was the fight of the year. And as it turns out, Ayala was named the fighter of the year in 1999 for that bout and then won the rematch with the late Johnny Tapia who battled drug addiction, drug overdose, uh, in and out of the ring and eventually his life taken by by drugs and by uh, heart failure due to drugs. And Paulie Ayala is forever intertwined with Johnny Tapia, including speaking at Tapia's memorial service. We'll talk with him about all those things, about reminiscing about those fights, what he's up to now, uh, all of that coming up. And we will also hear from Marquise Johns, a senior writer, the purveyor, the overseer of BigFightWeekend.com. I'm anxious to talk with him in a few moments uh, later on here on the podcast and talk with him on all of these different subjects, including classic fights, what Showtime is doing right now, when will the boxing be back in the ring, et cetera, et cetera. So Marquise Johns on the podcast also. Reminder to subscribe however you found us. Social media link through the BigFightWeekend.com website. Connect to this podcast via Apple Podcast, Spreaker, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts on any platform. Do so by going and searching Big Fight Weekend and hitting the subscribe button. If you will be so kind as to rate us and review us, it will move up on those platforms where more people will see it. But we want you to subscribe to be able to get the ding on your phone, on your handheld device, on your iPad. And whenever there's a new edition uh, through those outlets, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google Podcast, you will get a notification of the new edition of Big Fight Weekend. So subscribe away uh, to the show. So lots to get to here on the program. We are all about getting boxing back in the ring when it is reasonable to resume. I know that for a lot of states in the United States, they've begun to open some things back up. How soon will boxing be back in the ring? Whether it's fans or whether it's uh, no fans, whether it's no fans or whether it's fans coming back in wearing the PPE mask and doing the social distancing and taking proactive measures. 
here's hoping that we have the optimism that everything will begin to uh, get, return to some normalcy soon with all of this here in the month of May and as May becomes June and sports begins to come back this way. More on that as we go along. We'll reminisce some here on this podcast. We'll look ahead to the future of the sport back in the ring later this summer. Let's get started. Yes, it has now been five years since Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao engaged in the most lucrative fight. Not necessarily the most thrilling, best fight, most memorable fight, but in terms of dollars, astronomical, the money it made for Mayweather Pacquiao five years ago. And a guy that was there, OL, on location, on the scene for CNN, and he's still part of CNN Sports. I get the opportunity and the occasion now to catch back up with Andy Scholes of CNN, who's back with me here. Dr. Scholes back with me now as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast to reminisce a little bit. Let's catch up a little bit first. How you been? I know we're all dealing with social distancing, isolation. I know you're working uh, from home as well for CNN. How are things, sir? Well, you know, they're not bad, you know, considering the circumstances. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to still be doing my job. Uh, every day. Uh, a lot of people can't say that uh, right now during these times. Um, the only thing that's really changed for me is I, I, I do my sports segments from my basement. Uh, my cam- my phone is my camera, and uh, there's just not a lot of sports to talk about. Uh, unfortunately, it seems like every day all we're talking about is when is something coming back or any kind of sign of life of sports. And, you know, every all of us are just you know dying for something to watch. You know, Korean baseball coming back. Uh. <laughs> the latest thing we're talking about and you know i even find myself watching a little bit of it because so i wanted to see some live sports so uh, here's hoping that we get some sort of return to normalcy sometime soon just because you know uh, we all need something to cheer for yeah absolutely we got nascar coming uh, later in the month no fans we got golf coming uh, in june no fans uh, we believe at some point, again, we'll see NBA and NHL hockey and postseasons later in the summer. Uh, boxing, which is what we're talking about here on this podcast, we believe we will see with no fans. Studio-type shows, uh, not unlike what Vince McMahon has been trying to do with his WWE wrestling, which, uh, again, it's awkward and goofy to watch that with no fans. <laughs> with no fans but this is this is the short term right now for how sports can resume and uh you mentioned it we're, we're all starved to see uh when that will be happening so i'm glad that you're hanging in there we're hanging in there as well as part of this podcast uh all right so as i mentioned i've got you on here to talk pacquiao mayweather you did a great job with me back five years ago and kind of previewing it and talking about it i still remember one of the things you said at that time and i want you to elaborate on this is i've been to a lot of big events but this this is some kind of crazy being around that in las vegas so when you think back to five years ago what stands out what jumps to the forefront about the whole event the spectacle of that fight I, I still remember that conversation we had. I was I was talking to you from the Aria pool because <laughs> that's where I was eating lunch that day. <laughs> and I, I tell you, I mean, you know, I, yeah, like you said, you know, I go to a lot of events, and I remember. I still I can't believe it's been five years. First of all, but that that whole week was just like an a, a electric atmosphere from from day to day. I, I remember. I mean, the weigh in was an event in itself where they sold tickets, and uh, you know that. I was it I forget which venue it was at but it was packed and and it was wild too like I think 50 cent showed up and people were going crazy trying to take a picture of him <laughs> cuz he had like beef with Mayweather at the time and like uh, I just it, it was a uh, that was a scene and then of course there was uh you know interviews before the fight uh, and uh, Mike Tyson showed up to that and people were mobbing him I mean it was it was just one thing after another and then the, and then the fight rolled around and I still remember, like, uh, I was kind of like a kid in a candy store because I was, I was talking to my colleagues. I was like, oh, let's go. Let's go kind of, like, linger around here and see what celebrities we can see walk by. And I remember seeing just so many people. Uh, and it was, uh, it was just it – was, it was like the Super Bowl, but smaller. Like, it was the Super Bowl, but you kind of saw everybody because it was Vegas. 
uh, which made it you know just kind of a once in a lifetime kind of deal. Yeah, there is, there is no doubt. I mean, you, you go back and you can watch some of the video and the ringside seats have Steffi Graf and Andre Agassi, the two famous tennis players who are married and who live in Las Vegas, sitting right there like in the second row. And about 10 feet from them, there's Tom Brady. And you look over here and it's Denzel Washington. And over here, it's Charles Barkley. And that's how you knew this was transcending just another big fight. It was that big of a deal. Uh, that that many celebrities from the sports, the entertainment, uh, movies, music, whomever wanted to be around this and, and, and wanted to see this. I don't remember this specifically, so help me out. Did, were the, a lot of the media were not credentialed to be in the main arena. Were you through the CNN credential in the main arena, or were you having to watch in the auxiliary on, on the TV and then cover the fight afterwards? How did it work for you, first of all? So I got a great story about that. I uh, was unfortunately uh, one of the people that got the auxiliary. Uh, my colleague Don Riddell was uh, was in the arena, uh, and he, he, we 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 were covering it, you know, together the event together. And uh, he was in the arena. I was in auxiliary. However, uh, a uh, colleague as well who works for HBO, Race to Love, uh, mm-hmm. we had been to, to discussing all week uh, things we were doing, collaborating on. And um, me and my coworker were walking around, and it was one of those times I was like, let's go stand by the gate and see what celebrities we see go in. And I saw Mini-Me go by me, actually. Uh, and that was the coolest celebrity I saw. He went by me in a scooter. Um, and uh, this was, uh, I, I don't even, 20 minutes before uh, the fight, maybe? And we were walking back, and we saw Ray. And he's like, hey, how y'all going? Y'all going in right now? We're like, ah, oh, no, we got this auxiliary. We're going to hang out here and watch the fight. He pulls tickets out of his jacket and goes, here you go. Oh. <laughs> and oh. Hands his tickets. Face value was like 10K a ticket. Because <laughs> <laughs> those tickets for that fight were just outrageous. Right, right. Uh, those and I was just in shock. I think my, my jaw just dropped. I just stared at it for a good 30 seconds. Like, are you serious right now? And uh, so, you know, yeah, like 20, 15, 20 minutes before the fight, I walked in and had a, had a great seat. I was sitting three rows uh, in front of uh, Pauly from The Sopranos. I still remember that. <laughs> but uh, I saw the fight in person in a, in a pretty good seat. And uh, so that's why when people ask, you know, like, you know, they're like, oh, Andy, but it was a terrible fight. And I was like, oh, man, you know what? I was in the arena. With, I, I felt the atmosphere. So for me, it wasn't terrible. Um, I understand going back and watching it again on TV why people were frustrated with it, um, but for me still, it was still it was one of the best sporting events I've ever been to, especially since I have that story to go along with. That is a phenomenal story. There are stories, and then there's a 12 on or a 16 on a scale of 10, and that one would be about a 16 on that. As we talk with Andy Scholes of CNN Sports, who was there for uh, Mayweather Pacquiao, and now I know was there ringside. Uh, so two of you, right? Not just you, but one other. You you guys walk to ringside with all the heavy hitters, if you will, that that have got you know the the uh, the million dollar outfits, uh, jewelry, or whatever. Uh, I, I, you had to do a lot of people watching in that moment. I would have to think too, as part of the event, right? We weren't quite ringside. I was lower level, but I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't that far down but uh there's still i mean that fight was so <laughs> prestigious there was people everywhere like i said i saw paulie from the sopranos uh you know i mini me went by me earlier when i walked in i saw a bunch of nfl players yep. uh, all over the place i remember tom brady was down ringside but, uh but if i my memory serves me correct edelman and gronk were up by me they were just a section <laughs> over from where i was brady uh, I, could only do I, so much to get them in the lower bowl he couldn't get them by him at ringside it's just how it worked yeah so i mean yeah it was definitely a people watching thing i remember between you know between uh rounds i was just like you know my head was on a swivel like who's over here who's over here and then look just looking around constantly um and that's why again i say like i thoroughly enjoyed the fight uh just being being in that atmosphere Hey, uh, relate this, because again, you've covered a lot of big events, Super Bowl, World Series, been going on and on, Final Four, you and I, I think, were last together. I'm trying to remember if you were with me in Minnesota when we were covering all of it last year. 
when uh, Virginia reclaimed the title. If not, it certainly was the year before, uh, which was what, San Antonio, where Villanova got a second title in three years. We've been around each other. So I know you've been around big events, Final Four, Super Bowl, World Series. Where does a championship fight like that rank with other events of that magnitude in this country that you've covered? What's your opinion? Uh, so I'll say, yeah, I'll say this, the, the, there's just something about like a, a champ, a final four and a final four championship and a, you know, the world series and the NBA, you have so many people, thousands of people rooting for the same thing. Whereas at that championship boxing fight, you know, everyone was rooting for a moment and we really only got two or three. Um, the entire time. So, I'll, you know, the the electricity and the atmosphere around the, the Pacquiao-Mayweather fight, I would say, was up there with anything I've ever been to. The excitement from start to finish, though, to me, did, did not compare, I would say, to a, to a Final Four or, like I said, like a, a World Series or an NBA Finals, just, be, just because of the, the fact that, there wasn't constant like cheering and everything like that. And by the round eight or nine, you know, Mayweather Pacquiao, people were kind of like pissed about it. Uh, you know, just that there wasn't any real action going on. So uh, I, I, I put it up there in terms of electricity and excitement going in, but in terms of once the event started and finished, it kind of, it kind of didn't live up to the, to the hype, you know? Love the insight here. Andy Scholes was there from CNN Sports. You can follow him, by the way, on Twitter at Andy Scholes, spells Scholes, S-C-H-O-L-E-S, and then CNN tagged on the end of it. Dr. Scholes, as I as I joke with him, uh, because you actually, as I remember the story, you actually went by that nickname a little while, I think like in high school sports, high school basketball. Am I remember that correctly? They were all, they were, they were hollering doctor at you and Dr. Scholes at you, right? Yeah, I had a I had a PE teacher in high school who called everybody by their last name and the first day of class he was just like, Shoals, you're Dr. Shoals. So from then on <laughs> everyone had picked it up and, and everyone called and even it even involved from there. It went from Dr. Shoals to just Doc at one point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you don't go by Doc. No, nobody at CNN on the air has called you Doc at this point. That's how you know it's really progressed. If the work colleagues slip in a Doc, if need be, whomever it is, uh, if, if, that, um, if that happens to be. I wonder if off of this fight, are you, are you still much of a fight fan that watches fights? Uh, I don't know how much of it you've covered with CNN since Mayweather Pacquiao five years ago, but what about you as a fight fan since this is a boxing-themed podcast? Uh, so I, whenever there is a big fight um, that everyone's talking about, I always try to, to, to tune in. You know, I definitely watched uh, Mayweather versus McGregor because that was just also such a spectacle. And, uh, you know, that was Mayweather's last, like, fight that I guess everyone was just excited to see what was going to happen. Um, and then recently, uh, you know, in the heavyweight yep. uh, division, you know, we've seen – I love Tyson Fury. He is just so entertaining, right? Like, you can't not love watching Tyson Fury uh, fight. And just the way he goes about it, like, you know, I'm a just an old fat man just beating up on people kind of deal. Like, I like watching – whenever he's in the ring, count me in just because I think he's awesome. So – um, I, you know, I'm, I think I'm like, uh, a lot of people out there when it's a big fight that everyone's talking about, I want to be a part of it. I want to see it. Um, and, and I've, I've been really encouraged just watching those heavyweight fights because they've been very entertaining, um, to, to watch. So I, I've enjoyed those. And, uh, you know, I, I, I consider myself, you know, kind of a casual fan who likes dipping in here and there, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I love going to cover live events and, and I'm hoping that if there's a another big fight like the one we just had, um, that uh, I'll get to be there because uh, I, I thought it was great. Yeah, Fury Wilder was back in February. We don't know. They're, they're tentatively talking about October. Who knows? Uh, Andy, as I keep saying right now, we're doing this in early May. We, we don't know June, much less do we know September, much less do we know November as we take this uh, day by day and week by week as to when boxing can resume and when fans will be there and that kind of stuff. And look, there's nothing wrong with what you're saying. Uh, I'm diverse 
diversified as a sports fan, uh, and I understand that in terms of boxing, you've got your hardcore fans, uh, but people will come for the big fights. Uh, it's not unlike with horse racing. We all we all gravitate to the Kentucky Derby, uh, which was supposed to have been run this past Saturday, the first Saturday in May. Uh, we all gravitate to the Indianapolis 500, and we'll watch some part or all of that and may not watch another car race the entire year. It's just how uh, we gravitate to certain sports and certain events. And you're right, with the heavyweights and with that part of it, uh, we do that. All right, one more fun one here, uh, Dr. Scholes. What are you looking forward to the most when sports resumes? What part of it, what aspect of it, anything? I give you I give you the floor. What are you most anxious to have back when we get some normalcy and we get some sports back? What do you think? Uh, I mean, I, I, I really want the NBA to come back this year. Uh, I, 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 you know, I want every I, – I assume, you know, we're not going to have – I can't imagine they're just not going to play baseball at some point. So I'm I'm confident that's going to happen. The NBA makes me nervous that they were so close to the end. You know, they couldn't run too much into the 2021 season. So when if the NBA comes back, I'm going to be a pretty happy person just because I think there was so much invested already into that season. You know, LeBron's not getting any younger, and his Lakers could potentially be in an NBA final situation against, like, the Bucks and Giannis, and that would be such a great series. So that's what I'm hoping for the most. I just want an NBA season, and, and I, I want to see it play out because I feel bad for those guys uh, if, if all, the, all their hard work and everything was for naught. And, uh, and, and I selfishly wouldn't want to get robbed out of uh, watching the NBA playoffs because that's one of the things I love to do the most in terms of watching sports. Well, and I semi-joked along the same lines. You and I have been around each other in Final Fours. You know this. The Final Four was supposed to be coming to Atlanta College Basketball we're talking about now your backyard with CNN, right in the shadow of CNN at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We were robbed, to use that word, of all of that because of the coronavirus uh, outbreak and everything that happened in March. We never got it. We're not ever going to get it, at least with the NBA, like you're saying. There's a possibility that they can resume, and it may be later in June. It might even be in July. The good news for them is they were near the end of their regular season. They could potentially play quickly and finish their regular season in determine their playoffs and then maybe shorten some of the earlier series and play quickly uh you know this is me just being uh you know speculation guy here play quickly within a month their entire postseason basketball in and around the same location neutral site whatever it is let's see if we can't get that accomplished and it may be for summer programming and we're all about it We'll see how it works. Hey, thank you for reminiscing, Andy Scholes, with me from CNN here about being part of Mayweather Pacquiao and the five-year anniversary. Keep doing what you're doing uh, there for CNN, and let's hope we get all of sports back soon. Thank you, sir. Yeah, you're welcome. I'll do it anytime, and here's hoping that we run into each other at the Final Four next year and that everything is back to normal. We do continue along here as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Had a blast watching the Showtime Boxing Classic Series uh, last weekend in particular. And our next guest was featured as part of that because he was not only involved in the fight of the year, he won the fight and was the fighter of the year in 1999 and also won the rematch. Paulie Ayala, the former world bantamweight champion who defeated the late Johnny Tapia in both of those fights that were shown on Showtime is with us right now. Great to have you, even in these trying times right now of social uh, isolation, social distancing. At least we got to enjoy a couple of thrilling fights from you. Great to have you. Great to talk to you here. It's good to be here. I mean, uh, thanks, thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was an exciting weekend, uh, you know, watching those, reminiscing on the fights. And, you know, I got to do it with my, with my kids who were, who were, small children back then and you know one was an infant so uh yeah it was, it was a nice <laughs> nice weekend you may it makes all of us feel old to go back and reminisce because i start reminiscing that was 20 years ago that, and i know you do too that yeah. can't be that can't be possible all right fun one we we knew a lot about johnny tapia especially being a wild uh, arrogant type of personality and fighter uh, when you signed on to challenge him, he was unbeaten. He was obviously the headliner. What were your thoughts, you and your team? Any any concerns about how to go about fighting this guy, Paulie? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you have a lot of concerns because, I mean, above all, everything that he can do, I mean, he can fight, he can slug, he can box. Uh, he was pretty unpredictable, so uh, 
But one thing that I, I knew what I was preparing for is that what I could see in him is he was a very emotional fighter. So as far as physical attributes, he had a ball. But uh, as far as the mental aspect, I knew that there were some kinks in it that if I can get him, you know, involved emotionally, that, uh, you know, he could uh, abort all of the game plan and, and, and you know, and make it, a, a, I guess, a fight, fight a fight that would be better for me to, to uh, uh, with my style, I mean, I guess, to complement what I do. Well, and certainly you fought him head up, toe-to-toe, and at times got the better of him. Uh, strategically as a southpaw, you got the better of him. At what point in that first battle did you really sense, and maybe it was early on, I'm as good as this guy, I can win, uh, as you were doing it. Everybody believes going in the ring I can win, but do you recall, I mean, maybe it was early in the fight, I can hang with this guy, I can win this fight. I mean, going into the fight, I already knew, I mean, I, I believed that I could, I could beat any champion. I mean, so it, that wasn't a question, but but to know that uh, as far as I was in control of the of the you know of the of the, of the ring of the ring generalship, uh, it was around you know probably by the third round because every time I kept catching them, you know, I mean, of course on television you can't hear it, but the the audience were ooing and awing and and uh, at every time I would land big shots because they were evident that he was getting caught a lot better than uh, you know the that it was being announced. Well, certainly uh, you ended up winning in what was a wild, uh, particularly ending in the championship rounds. Uh, Again, take us back. We were watching it the other night. What was it like to live through the 11th and the 12th rounds of that fight, which ended up being the 1999 fight of the year? Maybe you were were getting the adrenaline going the other night, watching the replay like the rest of us were, but you lived it. What was it like? Reliving it was great, but... But being able to do that with with my kids now, and them being able to see uh, you know everything that had went involved uh, that was involved in behind the scenes and up into the fight, I mean you know they they've uh, you know it, it was it was it was a great feeling to be able to uh, you know experience it again. But but with my kids uh, and my wife, of course, uh, you know uh, twenty one years later. Yeah. No doubt about that. So you get your hand raised. They they announce they as Jimmy Lennon has done so many times as a great ring announcer, the new WBA bantamweight champion of the world. Uh, again, take me back to nineteen. What was that moment when you heard your name, knew you had won, knew you had beaten him for the first time, and you had a world title? Man, that was uh, so many so many uh, memories that were going through my mind. From uh, from when I was a child to to that point of of leading everything that it took, all the blood, sweat, the tear, the sacrifice of everything that that I we had uh, put into it, my team and I, um, you know, and 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 seeing that kind of like seeing that from a dream perspective, but then now it's real. It's real. I mean, it was real. So uh, I mean, it was everything that uh, you know you hear in stories of people that that have drank. Uh, you know things that have come to pass, and that was one of them. No doubt, I, I still reflect on the Buster Douglas upset. And speaking of being old, Paulie, I am feeling really old that Buster Douglas's upset of Mike Tyson was thirty years ago, uh, a good nine years wow. before your upset win. But when when rewatching all of that back in February, what, one of the moments that he said to the HBO announcers is, "I have dreamed my whole life." of standing here doing this interview and having somebody put a championship belt on me. And they walked over and put the belt on him, and he, and he had a tear in his eye. He was that emotional about realizing the dream. Did it get that emotional for you about put the belt on me? Or maybe it was back in the dressing room, but I ha- I'm looking at the belt. I am a world champion. No, no, it was right when they announced it. I mean, that's, yeah, I, yep. did, have, I did have quite a few tears because, uh, again, you know, we for um, for an accomplishment like that, I mean, just to get there, you know, I was willing to, I was ready to enjoy the ride for however long it would last. Well, and it, it did last uh, for a while for you, uh, and then you end up, after a couple of title defenses, 
uh, facing Johnny Tapia again. Uh, again, they showed this second fight as part of the Showtime Boxing Classics the other night. Take take us back to that whole mindset because now you're the champion. You had beaten him in the first fight. Uh, this is the rematch. What, if anything, do you remember about your approach about a year and a half later for fight number two in October of 2000 uh, against the late Johnny Tapia? Well, going into uh, the rematch, of course, you know, I mean, I remember, uh, I mean, it, it was, it was for one, it was hard to, to make a rematch. I mean, it wasn't like uh, he accepted, you know, immediately. Uh, I had to make every concession uh, for him to be able to make that fight. I mean, we, we made it at a catch weight because apparently he couldn't make the bantamweight division anymore. And, uh, I mean, he wouldn't fight me unless he got the bigger purse. And I, I accepted everything in order to make that. So, I mean, you know, going in, I was frustrated in a way because, uh, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, I believe, I mean, I was a champion going in, but, you know, I went in again as, as a challenger uh, to, to the fan favorite. Yeah, there's no doubt, and people may not have realized that actually your title was not on the line because he was nowhere close, right? He was like 124 pounds, six over the limit. Yeah, uh, so yeah, it was a... It was a it, yeah, essentially, uh, it was a 12-round non-title fight. So what I found so interesting, and, and I have to confess that I did not see these fights in real time back in 99 or 2000, but I was aware of the wins. In re-watching it, and this happens so often, Paulie, uh, with announcers, whether, whether you're talking about watching your favorite football game, and I don't know, you're in Texas, I don't know if you're a Cowboys fan or not, but if you're watching a Cowboys game, everybody thinks, well, the announcers are either for the Cowboys or they're against them, they're biased. Or, uh, you know, pick a team, the New York Yankees, whoever it is, uh, the Lakers, are either for them or announce them, uh, or against them. So the announcers, uh, who are true tremendous announcers from Showtime, that did this for a long time at the highest level, Steve Albert and Bobby Chez, for what and Bobby Chez, former light heavyweight champ, uh, they they're they're watching the fight, and as it's going along, Chez is convinced that Tapia is winning, and Chez almost uh, convinced Steve Albert as the fight went along, the play-by-play guy, that Tapia is winning. Tapia is winning convincingly. I'm watching the fight, and I've got, you know, I'm going, I've got it even. I've got Paulie up like 4-3. I've got Paulie up five rounds to four. It was just interesting because it got to like the 11th round, and, and they were they were almost not understanding why you weren't going for a knockout. They believed you were that far behind, four or five uh, rounds behind. Okay, so I set all that as a setup. When you rewatched it, did it surprise you? that those announcers thought that Tapia was that far ahead uh, in reliving that and watching it on TV and listening to their call, Paulie? Uh, it, it didn't surprise me because, you know, they were like that for the first fight. I mean, you know, they had Johnny win in the first bout. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it kind of, you know, just kind of leaves a, you know, a sore, you know, a sore leg towards the sore taste to your mouth, you know, a sour taste. To uh, you know, to look at it and, and see how biased they were. I mean, I, apparently, I, I don't think I even showed up, but for the for the ring announcement, that was it. <laughs> and, and the way they were calling the fight. Yeah, well, you were landing a lot of clean punches, and I, I thought you clearly won the 11th round, and I thought you clearly won the 12th round. And whenever you're the champ and it's a close fight and you're winning the final couple of rounds of the fight, I, I don't know. And again, there have been a lot of strange decisions for all time in boxing, a lot of different directions, how they can say that you're not. So in the end, the only three judges that matter are the three that judge the fight, and they all scored it, uh, as it, as it turns out, uh, for you. A unanimous decision uh, win. And uh, and so now you've you've won that fight twice. There there was not they did not show it the other night. There was much more made of the aftermath where Johnny Tapia was very upset. His uh, his brother in law um, and uh, and and a couple of others. I think his brother were were pushing and taking punches at people. They had to be escorted from the ring. What do you remember about that? Because a lot of fans on the Showtime broadcast didn't get to see that wild aftermath. <laughs> but what do you remember about all of that? You've had you've got yeah, your I hand up in it. victory. But what about it? Yeah. Well, I remember uh, you know that everything that happened. I saw the I saw a skirmish break out, but uh, I wasn't sure what was going on. But uh, it turned out that uh, I'd wound up hitting Todd DeBuff. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And he uh, 
Yeah, he, he hit Todd the Buff, and, uh, you know, I mean, it was, it was crazy. I mean, cause I'd never seen anything like that. And then, he, of course, they, they immediately escorted him out of the ring. Yeah, I believe that was his brother that was hitting the the uh, the top ranked vice president. They got Johnny out of the ring. Was there ever a was there ever a point in time shortly thereafter that night or whatever where you spoke with him or when did you speak with him again after the win or maybe you did not speak with him after you had won and after the decision was announced with Johnny? Do you do, well, do you recall? Yeah, well, I'll put it this way: it was pretty hostile, but uh, in the second round, Johnny had uh, caught me with a hook. And it was the first or second round, and uh, and and uh, he ruptured my eardrum, so my equilibrium was 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 off the whole fight. But uh, I had to go to the hospital, so I didn't I didn't get to see him or anybody that night. And uh, and it wasn't until uh, 2004, whenever I was fighting in Fort Worth, he he decided to visit. But but prior to that, we had never spoke. Wow, how about that? A few years later. Again, Paulie Ayala with us. He was part of the Showtime Boxing Classics back uh, last weekend on the Showtime Premium Network here in the U.S. They're continuing that series uh, all through April and into May of classic fights. He was involved, Paulie was, with Johnny Tapia, two outstanding fights, the 1999 fight, fight of the year. Paulie named the fighter of the year in 1999. More on that in a second. And you know, you've been asked about this a bunch. Uh, Johnny battled demons outside the ring with drugs, with drug overdoses, and eventually it took his life at just 45 years of age uh, from heart failure, from from uh, rampant drug use. Uh, in a class move by you, uh, you, you wanted to be part of his memorial service in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I know you spoke uh, at that. Tell me, tell me more about that time back about seven years ago now, where after his career is over, after your career is over, you, you wanted to go and pay respect to Johnny, his family, his fans. Yeah, I mean, uh, once I immediately found out, I mean, my wife and I made arrangements to to attend the funeral. And, uh, of course, you know, Teresa had approached me and asked me if I would be willing to speak. And, of course, uh, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, by all means, uh, you know, I wanted to, you know, just pay my respects for the opportunity that he gave me. And, uh, I mean, because, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of, uh, of things behind the scenes again, you know, for the first fight to ever be made was that, uh, you know, top rank had offered Johnny some other, other fighters besides myself. And, uh, he selected me and, you know, I, I don't know if it was because of my first loss in Japan, six months before that but regardless uh uh you know he gave me that opportunity that i needed love this insight here that paulie is giving us um uh, and again a class move by you to be part of that and a class move by the tappy is to want you included uh in part of that um so uh, you go on to uh, to defend your title uh three more times uh eventually uh you moved up into into featherweight uh, and fought Eric Morales and and fought Marco Antonio Barrera. Uh, they ended up defeating you. You ended up retiring. But to have been in the ring with guys like that, guys like Tapia, uh, in world championship fights, when you now reflect on having fought at the highest level, having won Pauly at the highest level, what what do you uh, remember the most fondly about your career and about what you were able to accomplish? Uh, I mean, all of that was great, but. You know, I, th- I believe the the Fighter of the Year award uh, was was a big highlight as far as boxing because, you know, during that time, I mean, you know, there were great fighters like Pacquiao, Mayweather, Morales, Barrera, uh, De La Hoya, Trinidad, Roy Jones. Uh, you know, you could go down go down the list, and you know, Johnny Tapia. All them guys were fighting that year, and I and I won that title. You know, uh, above all of them. So to me, I I, I take that. You know, with with great honor. Oh, you should. I was about to joke with you. That let's go beyond that. You ended the 20th century as the last fighter of the year, a a century that had the likes of Ali and Leonard and Tyson and Hagler, and as you mentioned, De La Hoya uh, kind of coming closer to that, or Roy Jones. I mean, just pick anybody all time in in the last 100 years of boxing, the last fighter of the year for the century, Paulie Ayala. That's got to put a smile on your fi- on your face anytime, anywhere. That's a that's a wild stat. Absolutely, and plus, you know the 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 great the greatest fighters to ever have fought 
have all achieved that award, you know. So just, I, I mean, I, I don't even care if they don't consider me great, but I'm just happy that I'm in that company. And uh, my name is there, you know, and it'll always be there for, you know, until until I'm gone. And then, you know, people will be able to look back and say, hey, who won the- who are, who are the winners of this? You know, and so I'm on that list. Uh, no doubt, no doubt about that. Few more moments here uh, for the fans that are that are curious, and I'm curious as well. Uh, what are you up to these days? I know you've had a boxing gym at one point. Do you still have a boxing gym? How important is the sport to you? What about life after being in the ring fighting for you? Uh, what are you currently doing now? What do you still want to do? Well, I mean, I've been I've been running a business. Uh, running a gym business for uh, 15 years now um, you know I have I have uh, over 100 oh, really about if you total I probably have about 200 uh, clients that, that come to train with me uh, none of them are, are you know compete but I do have a couple of kids that, that actually uh, compete but for the most part you know I, we, we attend fights we watch all the fights uh, my wife and I uh, we're still great big boxing fans you know and uh luckily uh there's there's a big world champion you know out of dallas uh that we you know that we're able to see a lot because he brings fights here to texas uh earl spence yes and we're hoping to see earl back when boxing resumes soon and maybe it will be a fight in texas but uh it's a great it's been a great state for boxing and this guy obviously was a great world champion back in the late 90s and the early 2000s uh for boxing uh okay love this uh, lo- love the insight from you. Thrilling fights to watch the other night. Uh, great that you're doing well. Uh, and, and even in these trying times, as I mentioned, I, I guess we all have hope that sports is going to resume, that life and normalcy later this summer is going to resume. Let's hope so. And we get some fights back in the ring that will resume. But th- this is a blast to reminisce. And, and for the fans out there, I know you appreciate everybody uh, watching those fights before and reminiscing about Paulie Ayala, your career in those two fights with Johnny Tapia, right? One more time. Oh yeah, of course. You know, without the fans, I mean, you know, uh, uh, these fighters, including myself, we would not be able to be be where we were uh, without their support. You know, so and you know now and as as boxing you know continues, I mean, you know these these up and coming fighters need to realize too that you know it's because of the fans, you know that 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 keep them in the position that they're in so you know i mean uh to be able to leave behind you know a small legacy piece of that in boxing i mean is has been an honor uh, it's been an honor to have you on here again. The fight of the year and the fighter of the year in 1999 was Paulie Ayala. He was part of those Showtime boxing classics. A treat to have you on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, uh, Paulie. Good health for you, your wife, your family, your business, with everything that's going on. Thank you for giving us the thrills in the ring. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me here uh, on the podcast. I do appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you, and uh, and I appreciate it too. Thank you. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. We are putting the podcast out on Cinco de Mayo, so I cannot see the senior writer, the purveyor of Big Fight Weekend, Marquise Johnson, know if he is in his sombrero or not for the occasion. But it is good to have you back here with me on the podcast uh, viva la quarantine as we continue along <laughs> in isolation uh, we're doing our social distancing we're doing our best do you have margarita in hand yet what is, what is the status with you how are you my friend pretty good TJ how's it going uh, still too early for the margaritas and the, uh, the tequilas and the coronas however I am preparing as always for Tuesdays and tacos <laughs> taco Tuesday uh, as as a Star Wars house as we are uh, Monday was May the 4th be with you and of course they released the new <laughs> latest Star Wars movie on the Disney Plus app so you could watch the last Skywalker so if Monday was May the 4th Tuesday is Cinco de Mayo I saw I saw more 
more than one meme with the baby Yoda. May the fourth be with you, and then may the tacos be with you for today. <laughs> if need, you know, there's there's nothing quite like a white guy who grew up in the South uh, making jokes with a black guy who grew up at, at least initially in Detroit in the Midwest about Cinco de Mayo. As if we have any clue about uh, any of this with Mexico, but it is it is that uh, occasion when traditionally, uh, at least a lot of Americans have an excuse to go get their margaritas and their tacos on a, on a Tuesday or, or their Cuervo or whatever they go get. Absolutely, TJ. Nothing brings American more together than a chance to eat uh, free food <laughs> and drink as well. It doesn't get any better That's than that. That's true, uh, especially if it is exorbitant amounts of, of free food, whatever it is. And, you know, there have been some uh, historic, at least in the last 10, 20 years of boxing, fights in and around here. Has it really been 13 years since Floyd Mayweather basically uh, on the grandest stage ended it for Oscar De La Hoya? That was 2007 on Cinco de Mayo, which at that time was the largest revenue generating pay-per-view ever. That was really 13 years ago that uh, Money May basically ended the run of the Golden Boy. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely, TJ. And it's funny because leading up to that fight, I remember very, very clear, actually, of how much noise and trash talk De La Hoya was the abuse <laughs> on the back end of from Mayweather. It pretty much turned up Mayweather to the heel that he, in the bad guy that we all know currently as he flipped from the pretty boy Floyd image to Money May, <laughs> where he pretty much told De La Hoya that he wasn't going to do anything in that fight. And sure enough, uh, he didn't. Close fight, mind you. I think one judge still had it for De La Hoya, surprisingly. De La Hoya. Not surprisingly. Uh, it's Vegas. It's judges. It's world championship judges. So, yes, they always oh, got to yeah. have somebody in the bag for the draw or the, the controversial split decision. Yes. Yeah, that, that, that was always a thing. And, of course, uh, didn't De La Hoya recently say that he was uh, uh, had two torn shoulders during the fight or something? <laughs> Some, revi- some some revisionist history. I, I, of I have gone back and watched some of the video, but Oscar is not coming to the ring with a crutch and a cast on a leg. He's not he's not coming to the ring uh, with a patch over his eye. But now he says he had two torn rotator cuffs when he fought Floyd Mayweather. You know what? You know what else he had? He had a bad cat case of the AGE, the age, because he wasn't fast <laughs> enough. He he wasn't <laughs> able to keep up. With at that time in the middle of his prime, Floyd Mayweather popping him from all angles, ducking in and out, hard to hit. Um, yeah. So anyway, that one was 13 years ago, and interesting that also as part of Cinco de Mayo uh, weekend back five years ago, that was the most lucrative pay per view fight ever, and that was Mayweather Pacquiao. I wrote the recap for that one this past weekend for the website. And my my theme, at least at the beginning, was this this happened at least three years, if not five or six years, too late when those two finally met, both in their late 30s, uh, 2015, 2015 in Vegas. And it was really a one-sided affair. And it is now documented that, that Pacquiao did have an injured shoulder, did have an injured rotator cuff, did have surgery uh, after the fight that sidelined him for almost a year uh, after the fight. It just it wasn't that great of a fight. I mean, Mayweather, uh, De La Hoya, much more entertaining. And again, Mayweather was much younger. But, uh, but Marquise, what about that anniversary that was now five years ago? With with Pacquiao Mayweather TJ, the biggest there's, the, the problem with that fight always is going to be twofold. One, that fight did happen at least in my opinion six years too late at that point. Also, it, with that fight, when it actually took place, was it the worst fight I've ever seen? No. Was it the one that generated the most money ever for boxing that people look back on? No, and that's the problem with it. Yeah, especially when you when you look at it. I mean, the fight itself was yeah, it was pretty one sided in terms of uh, Pacquiao wouldn't be able to do anything that he could do for for the most part, and it was a pretty wide decision on all ends. And it, it still was Mayweather in, at at that point, who wasn't the in his prime either, mind you, but he was still faster and strong enough to get by from Pacquiao. It, it's one of those fights, TJ, where you look at it and it's like, okay, this isn't a bad fight. It feels like, you know, on regular television or, you know, a PBC main event or a Fox main event to pay-per-view for $99.95? Oh, oh no. Yeah. No. Generated over $400 million of revenue with the live gate, the pay-per-view, the rights fees, all the stuff. So, yes. Uh, so, we're spending a little more time talking about that, obviously, um, earlier in the podcast, we talked with Andy Scholes of CNN, uh, who was right there in the midst of all of that mayhem. And so, 
Yeah, and, and and I guess that kind of segues now into the present day here uh, because we're trying to get some grip on when boxing will resume. All right, so let's go at it from a couple of different angles. You wrote coming off the weekend something interesting that you discovered, excellent reporting that you obtained a – what's the best way to describe it? Potential schedule? Uh, for events, combat sports events, fights, MMA events in Florida. Is that the best way to describe it? The the uh, the theorized schedule here, the maybe schedule for the month of May in Florida. You got a peek at it, right? Absolutely, TJ. No, I actually talk, spoke, spoke to over the weekend uh, uh, Patrick over from the uh, Florida State Athletic Commission who runs the whole freaking thing. And he sent me over a copy over the weekend, the actual fight schedule that, that they had supposedly posted at the weekend of the webs on the website. Of course, TJ, if you were to look at the website over the past weekend, it may have been fixed now, but it was down all weekend long. So if you were looking to see what the fights were, <laughs> just it, you like, wouldn't go- Wait, just like everything else in the state of Florida, <laughs> yeah, and in most much. states, nothing works. You can't get through to anybody on the site or on a – so I understand. So they're struggling at the commission. But the interesting thing is you were scanning over because it's it's well known, it's been widely reported, that Dana White and UFC, they're going to hold three fight cards very quickly, one this coming weekend, depending on when you're hearing us, the weekend of May the 9th here. But they're going to have two more coming very quickly after that because Dana White wants the fights, wants the programming, ESPN wants the programming. They've lined it up. They're going to do it in Jacksonville, Florida, North Florida, in an empty arena uh, but when you scan down the schedule, you found something else interesting. Give us, give us more here. Absolutely, TJ. I found on uh, May 30th, which will be Memorial Day weekend, uh, at, at in Hollywood, Florida, at the uh, Seminole Hard Rock Casino down there. Uh, Don King had a placeholder date uh, at the Seminole Hard Rock Event Center down there for Don King Productions, which is his promotional company, uh, to hold a fight card. Which I thought was interesting because a Don King is still putting on fight cards. And two, it is believed, is he- if I can interject, he is 88 years old. Is that what you wrote? Yes. That yes. That is staggering to contemplate because I know I'm older than you, but I remember how prominent he was in the 70s and the 80s. It's 2020 and Don King's 88 years old. That's uh, OK. I just had to stop there on that on that point. What what do you what do you know what do you believe is this just something where I mean did he did he already have that date in previous postings did he already have the May thirtieth date or is this something new or what's the best you can tell the best I could tell from this TJ was that he already had this date well in place before the pandemic broke out because the Seminole Hard Rock Casino is if you, if you're looking to go down there to play a couple of slot machines you're you're going to be out of luck that right. they've been shut down like much of everything right. else since May 20th so and also the event center there he took pretty much wiped out their comp their their schedule of any any special events or whatever have you this weekend would have been uh. Uh, great 90s comedian Mark uh, Curry in town, and that was well canceled as well. Right. So I, I don't. I pretty much they're not holding events, and um, they're, they'll, they'll, still take, they're, they'll still take your money for events, of course, DJ, for the future. But nothing. All right. Is so at the moment, up. at the moment, yeah. we're roughly three and a half weeks away. Are you saying that this is? T- it's totally unrealistic that Don King could have a fight card with no fans at the Seminole Hard Rock Casino. Are you saying it's? Most likely, no. Are you saying it's possible? What do you What do you think? Most likely, no. TJ, the most recent event that Don King believed on, because he's still semi-active in the boxing uh, community, actually. The one thing he did earlier uh, in March, before all the pandemic broke, was he actually put in and won a two million dollar purse bid for uh, a heavyweight championship fight. Unfortunately, TJ, that heavyweight championship fight is the most inactive heavyweights known to man, and Manuel Char. And Trevor Bryan, who combined <laughs> have not been in action in the ring since about four and a half years. And it would be probably likely going on five and six before that fight actually happens. Mm. Uh, the senior writer of BigFightWeekend.com, Marquise Johns, hanging out here on the podcast uh, as we go over all of this. Okay, so maybe there will be a show, most likely no. Uh, but at some point, fights are going to resume. And isn't it logical? Because t- Bob Arum has put this out there. Top rank is watching very carefully in our state, in the sunshine state of Florida, that they may be coming to have fights in Florida, depending on what happens with Dana White's UFC fight cards uh, and, and the testing and what happens if a fighter's injured, because that's one of the things that Bob Arum has been brought, uh, bringing up is how do you provide health care if fighters are injured with hospitalization? 
um, that kind of stuff. Do we believe that Florida may see a fight card as soon as June, early June, something like that, and that top rank may be the promoter? What do you think on that one, Marquise? I do think, TJ, at some point, uh, someone's going to be fighting in June at the WWE Performance Center in Orlando. Let it be either top rank or if they do one of these studio shows of California in California and or Texas uh, for PBC, they don't do it there. Someone's going to harass Vince for it at, at, at this at, at, for this fight card next month, TJ. What, the, what, what they're all waiting for is to see how these UFC events are going to shake up. And the one thing that these UFC things are going to shake up, because there, there's a lot of fight cards for UFC, not only with the main one with Dana White this month, TJ. There's also a few little outlier ones with club show levels with TS1 promotions also taking place here in Florida as well. They're waiting to see how all of those show up in, in terms of uh, events, preparations, and testing. Is there, any, is there any fallout from it? Do we hear anything back from these fight cards? Does anyone get hurt? How do you, how do, how do they take care of everything? Right. Once all of those shape out and shake down, uh, TJ, which I really think we should be okay on on most end of it, someone's going to overload and book these fight cards here, and that that's what that's all we're waiting for is that. And as Bob mentioned before earlier this month, is healthcare because healthcare is just essential in this country, and it's hard to get if you don't have it. And I'm trying to figure out on my end, TJ, what. Just in general, who is actually going to fight on these fight cards? I, the, the level of competition that we've seen so far, TJ, I, they mentioned last last week, and it's going to be on Poland pay-per-view, the great fight of Marcellus Walk, who was last seen on the wrong end of a Dillian White fight that didn't set the world on fire, leading into uh, Joshua Louise too. Uh, taking on a uh, journeyman, uh, TJ, Kevin Johnson, who was still fighting at age 40, mind you. Oh, Lord. And, and was last seen hugging the ropes against Martin Bacoli. So, I mean, and that's when is this pol- when is this walk fight supposed to happen? How soon? Uh, set your calendar for uh, Ju- June twelfth. Uh, Polish pay per view because it's happening in Poland with in no Poland, fans. With no fans. Yes. All right. So we have we have that now. Back to the Vince you mentioned. That's Vince McMahon World Wrestling Man. Entertainment. They've got yes. the Performance Center uh, where they have been taping and even showing live wrestling matches. Uh, because, again, the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, deemed this essential back weeks ago that they could continue to do this. And so some are taking advantage of this the same way that Dana White is with the UFC. So we'll see how soon uh, boxing could ramp up. You mentioned PBC and Fox. And the suggestion was, and you and I have both written, I think, about this on the website, they may hold fights in Los Angeles on the Fox studio lot to be televised on Fox Sports 1 cable or maybe even on Big Fox. I don't know if that would happen with a boxing card. Probably going to be on the cable channel. And you bring up a great point. Would PBC or Top Rank put a championship fighter and fight on one of these cards in the short term in June? I, I hear in your voice, you don't think that will happen. I'm not. It would not surprise me if PBC comes out maybe – uh, with a championship fight in June, and maybe Top Rank finds a fighter and says, uh, you know, hey, we're, go- we're going to have a championship fight. I know the- one of the rumors, Marquise, is that a guy that I'm, uh, I'm fond of watching because he's a big knockout guy uh, right now is the, um, uh, the junior featherweight champ, 122 pounds, Emmanuel Navarrete of Mexico. He is apparently fighting on June the 6th, the weekend before you're talking about the fight uh, in Poland, this will be in Mexico, and I believe he would be the first champ, right, if this comes off, that's going to fight on any fight card since the pandemic uh, shutdown of the sport, that Navarrete may be that first guy in June on a, on a Mexican fight card with no fans. I just wonder if Top Rank isn't going to roll a champ out or PBC roll a champ out of some kind to be the headliner on one of these shows in June. Your, your thoughts on all that? Well, my theory is, DJ, and, and it's interesting that if they do make these fight cards up, it's funny that uh, at the sidebar, but the WWE has been making these shows essential and been filmed down here in Florida. Unfortunately, they've been deeming it essential. I don't know who's watching these shows. that they Their ratings have came out, as you know, last right. weekend, TJ. And apparently it's being outrated by an episode I've seen four times already on Guy's Grocery Games, which involved a <laughs> burger battle where the guy won with caramelized onions. It looked pretty on the good, food, TJ. On the Food Network. <laughs> food food network. network. Well, I mean, you understand Vince McMahon's got to have live programming. He's got to try to run TV ads, and it's kind of the same thing 
that boxing is going through and the and the other sports that are going to start up. I know you've been banging on that they just debuted at the time we're taping Korean baseball has started Korean professional baseball and ESPN was actually showing this on the app or on ESPN in the middle of the night. I'm not going to be staying up to watch it, but it's it's just something to be on and ESPN's trying to run ads and it's the same thing for Top Rank. It's uh-huh. the same thing for, for PBC with Fox in this country. It's the same thing with Matchroom Boxing. They want the shows. They want to run the ads. Right, Marquise? Real quick? Yeah, they have to run the ads and get the money somehow. And if, if it involves running uh, yeah, Korean baseball, I, I, I would love to see the rating share of who is actually watching this. I, I mean, outside of those with a, a short-term investment interest, as they say, like in the States, where it's like, I couldn't. Well, I, I mean, I will say for our sport, we were watching a club fight card in Nicaragua a couple of weekends ago because it was live yes. boxing with social distancing fans with the PPP, uh, the PPE masks on and the fighters in the ring. And the, the Mexican fight card that's going to come off at the end of the month involves a former world champ, Carlos Molina, fighting. There's going to be no fans there at all. We'll probably be watching that. I guess if you're a baseball fan, it's something. It's live baseball. And we're going to get to NASCAR, by the way, in two weekends on an empty track. No fans. But if you're a NASCAR fan, it's a live race. So we're, we're slowly going to get about all of this. We just wonder what's going to happen with the boxing. couple more minutes. Marquise Johns with me, senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com. I know Eddie Hearn was talking on Monday. He basically said, and I wrote about this on the site, that the Anthony Joshua Kubrat Pulev unified world title fight that was supposed to happen in June, 65,000 plus fans, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London, not happening on that date, probably not happening this summer because the, he, as he said, again, he reiterated, they want fans, at least some fans at that fight. However, Hearn did say, look for the Dillian White, speaking of him again, Alexander Povetkin, the Russian, the former IBF champion, look for that fight to happen, Marquise, without fans. And it may be happening as soon as July 4th. That was the rescheduled date. Again, that's a bigger holiday in the United States because we declared our independence on July 4th. They don't care as much about that in Britain. Another another joke yeah. <laughs> uh, with dates, times, and calendars. Uh, so maybe on July 4th, maybe a little later in July, a fight without fans, White and Povetkin, to be happening in England. Marquise, uh, again, your comments just real quick. On that one, TJ, I mean, Dillian White has come out and said he's he's willing to fight Pavekin in a car lot. So if that, if, <laughs> if, he's, if he's willing to fight, if he's willing to fight just there, I'm, I'm guessing an empty stadium uh, would would be no problem with Dillian White for that one as well. And let me let me throw in as well with that, uh, and, and the, the, the bizarre smokescreen that's been going on with that Joshua uh, Joshua uh, uh, Pula fight, TJ. I think last week ESPN came out with a report saying that they were already in preliminary talks for uh, the the mega fight, the All Britain Joshua Fury fight, if it happens. And of course, they, 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 the caveat is still being is there's a couple of mandatories and a couple of uh, set rematch clauses already in the way for it to even even take place. Right. But the one thing, but the one thing out of that whole story, TJ, which I thought was being swept under the rug, was the middleman in conversations with all of this is MTG Global, which is set out of Dubai, Saudi Arabia, and more unlikely if that fight does happen, or if it, not even if that fight does happen, but. This Kublai-Pulev-Joshua fight, in the event that it doesn't happen, TJ, in the UK, I'm going to go ahead and theorize in here and tell you that it's going to happen in somewhere in the Middle East because they're they are pretty much doing the middleman conversations for uh, top rank and uh, t- and, and in between they're, they're the go-between between Fury and top rank right, right. now, conversating conversate for the promoters. and who's, Well, uh, because again, which, which, you're, looking, you're looking for where could you maybe have fans or where is the money? And, and Hearn uh-huh. was clear about this on the interview that he did with Sky Sports Monday. We can't fight right now with the extent of the pandemic, the hospitalizations and the deaths in in the UK. He just said we can't, the optics. So maybe you're right. Maybe it is go hold Joshua Pulev in Saudi Arabia September, October, like he was talking about. Pulev's people have been very clear. They're not going to step aside. They're the number one contender. They've waited for a year for this fight. And I, I mean, whatever. So that that one is not as significant as Fury has a rematch signed uh, from the previous contract with Wilder. It's worth 30, 35 million or more to Deontay Wilder to have that fight. They're not going to move out of the way unless 
even even maybe if there's an offer of 30 or 35 million, I don't know that Wilder moves out of the way, but the offer's got to start right there. And I can't see how realistic that is. So we're going to get Wilder Fury 3 at some point in the fall. And it may be the winter until fans can be there. Who knows? And who knows where it's held? I don't believe any of that. But you make a good point that maybe it will be Saudi Arabia, the Middle East, Dubai, United Arab Emirates, one of those countries will hold the Joshua fight because Hearn's joke was, uh, Marquise, that he doesn't want to see Joshua knock Pulev out and then go jump up on the turnbuckle with his glove in the air, and the only person he's waving to is a Sky Sports cameraman that is standing (laughs) by on the apron because there's nobody else in the arena. It's not the same thing. I get that. So they're going to wait with that. It's a unified world heavyweight title fight. All right, uh, before you go, I know we had Paulie Ayala earlier on this fight, the former world champ who was part of the Showtime Boxing Classics with with the late Johnny Tapia in April. They've started that series up uh, again in May, uh, kind of with the welterweights here at the beginning of the month. Errol Spence and two of his fights were featured on Showtime Premium Cable in the U.S. last Friday night. This Friday night at the time that we're taping, the Classics involve Keith one-time Thurman and his two showdowns with Sean Porter and with Danny Garcia. The Sean Porter fight 2016 was the fight of the year. Uh, And so those are going to be featured, and I know we're excited to watch that uh, later this weekend, just real quick, just because it's classic fights and and we have some attachment to Thurman living in the area, etc. But this is the the Porter fight, highly entertaining, action-packed, a lot of big punches. We're looking forward to seeing that, right? Correct? Absolutely, TJ. And one of those two with Keith Furman, for those who have, have understand it before it happened last year, how did Keith Furman get this fight with Manny Pacquiao coming off of you know, the, the injured surgery that had him out for a solid year and a half? Uh, these two fights are the reason why, because he's been in back-to-back fight of the year contenders. Even this fight with Garcia, which I think is really entertaining as well, uh, just the way that he throws down. and. That's why the Showtime is showing those fights, by the way. And Showtime, uh, to, to their credit, teach with these fight classics, you know, going through the vault, but putting on some pretty good ones, actually. Yeah. I'm really surprised that. Yeah, have, have some of these I haven't seen in a while, and it's like, wow, they're putting out some really, they're putting out some really solid ones. Gonna, I'm looking forward to this one for Friday. Uh, yeah, they're going to go back and and show some Floyd Mayweather ones, not the uh, the Pacquiao Mayweather that's already been on, or the or the uh, Mayweather De La Hoya, but a couple of the other ones that are entertaining. And uh, later in the month, Leo Santa Cruz and a couple of outstanding fights as well, all part of Showtime Boxing Classics. But the Keith Thurman ones will be featured later this week. All right, I know you've got a roll. We got to get out of here on the podcast. Plug away about the site your social media where we find you etc go ahead absolutely tj find me as always on twitter at week sauce radio uh still pound for pound pandemic or not tj the best boxing twitter handle out there i challenge anybody as always you can find my writings as always at bigfightweekend.com as well as the twitter handle for the boxing site as well at bigfightweekend Love that. Uh, We love the fact that you found the podcast, however you found it, through a social media link, Big Fight Weekend website. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Spreaker, Stitcher, wherever you found it. Subscribe. It'll come automatically to you whenever there is a new edition of the show. Our thanks to our guest, Andy Scholes, CNN, who was there for Mayweather Pacquiao five years ago. Paulie Ayala, the former... Uh, world champ with us as part of those Showtime Boxing Classics. Love talking fights with him. Love talking fights with Marquise Johns. I'm merely TJ Reeves. Keep reading the site, bigfightweekend.com. And thank you for being with us on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Bye.